Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Lorraine, recorded in January 2021. Procurement consultant, life and business coach, founder of social enterprise Be Inclusive Hospitality are the many roles that she has within the industry. It has been a real honor to see her growth and to get to know her these past two years. Right. Hello, everyone. Noreen here. Today I have with me Lorraine. Uh, Lorraine and I connected via LinkedIn, but we do have Rita in common, who uh, definitely this whole hospitality world is one big family. So I'm not surprised that we did find somebody in common. For sure. Uh, so Lorraine, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So yeah, my name's Lorraine Copes. Um, I've worked within the hospitality sector for close to two decades. Um, so my background, um, both from an education perspective at uni, right for the past sort of 20 years has been within procurement. Um, so I'm procurement leader, I've worked across all areas of hospitality and that includes the pub industry, contract catering, casual dining, and for the past five or six years, actually beyond that, about seven or eight, I've worked with quality-led, small, medium, sort of small to medium um, organisations in the fine dining space. So most recently was the Gordon Ramsay Group, where I led a team there, and also Corbin and King. So that that's technically my day job. Um, in addition to that, I'm also um, a qualified uh, life business career coach. So I work with quite a variety of different types of business leaders um, and also women in business that are making transitions in their lives. And then last but not least, I am um, the CEO founder of a social enterprise um, called Be Inclusive, um, Be Inclusive Hospitality. Um, we have a passion um, and a mission to accelerate racial equality within the hospitality, food and beverage sectors. As a lot of hats you're wearing. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you got into hospitality or why why hospitality in the first place? Um, I fell into it in many ways. I mean, I, I studied the degree at Aston University in logistics and a number of the modules within logistics included supply chain. It touched on procurement, but it was quite a broad business management degree. Uh, when I finished university, I was looking for a job and found a job as a food forecast and data analyst for a, a pub company, which is um, now disbanded, um, called Punch Supply Co. And it was at that point in my life, I realised it was possible to use the skill set that I have um, and work within businesses that I'm able to eat for free. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I love food, uh, always have done. And when I finished uni, I never thought for a minute that I could potentially have a career within the food industry, other than being a chef, waiter, you know, sort of operational roles. So got that job and I have stayed in hospitality ever since, um, just for sheer love of the sector, the people, um, and just the variety and procurement as a function in itself, I always feel is the best job in the world because it's one that 
there's huge amounts of variety. So I have bought anything from champagne, you know, wines, food, uh, basically anything you see within a restaurant usually sits within the responsibility of my um, team. And we have to make it our business to really understand that product um, in order for us to drive the commercial benefits for a business. And that in itself is enjoyable, being able to travel to Champagne um, to to better understand, you know, wine production, um, drink a lot of Champagne. And at the end of it, you know, it all contributes to us being able to do a really effective job. So um, that's how it all began, really. I always imagine with uh, procurement within sort of the food sector, you know, it's also such a... what's the word like forecasting for it is quite hard right because you never actually know what the end consumer is going to order you have a menu that you also need to make sure that you adjust for but then you've also got the time that you need to think about how long from the time that you place the order to when it actually gets delivered and you know hoping that there's no delivery um hiccups or anything and with COVID and everything a lot of us have learned this whole supply chain in a whole new world way and also learned to appreciate it in a whole new way because if anything the supply chain has never disrupted while we've been in lockdown but at the same time for a lot of restaurants you know there's been a lot more awareness over the last few months that you know suppliers that would normally give to restaurants but the restaurants are closed you know how you know that whole economy has been disrupted so much over the last couple of months and what i would say actually pre-covid um you know forecasting within the supply chain especially within a restaurant group can be relatively easy just simply because um you know business leaders you get to understand kind of customer behavior you start to build build trends um in terms of understanding during the working week when um when sales will peak and so within a restaurant or hotel environment the operators in the restaurant are responsible for placing the orders in accordance to the expected sales Mm -hmm. and what we do as an organization is we will work with suppliers to ensure that we've got the best prices the best contracts you know best service best quality so pre-covid relatively straightforward even though you have to allow that buffer for fluctu- uh, fluctuation um post covid is going to be a very interesting um conversation that said even though demand has changed day by day once the economy does reopen you'll also start to see new trends and behaviors and then with that new information and history you'll start to um, understand what the future is going to look like so extremely challenging um, a lot of suppliers that were in the sector won't be there We've got Brexit on top of that, which has hugely disrupted the supply chain and adds cost. Yeah. Then in addition to that, you have as a result of COVID, no doubt that restaurant, hotel sales will be down um, and how that impacts economies of scale, supply and demand. It's going to be a really interesting time for the sector. And those businesses that don't scrutinise their bottom line are going to be in problems because their top line is going to be it's a question mark right in terms of where we're going to end up so it sounds like you find it interesting rather than challenging which is probably why you're perfect for procurement <laughs> the thing is i will say so the last time we had such a major disruption in um procurement and supply chain was um during 2007 mm-hmm. um in that recession um you know real challenges within the economy and I firmly believe that as procure, procurement people, we had to up our game 
on what getting a great deal looks like. So at that time, um, it was really moving from conducting a tender, negotiating price is not enough. It's about thinking outside of the box, how you can take costs out of the supply chain um, and then passing them on. And it's going to be the same this time, to be honest. I think it's going to require creativity um, and collaboration with suppliers. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the one thing that I've heard a lot over the last couple of months is the collaboration has been key throughout all of this because everyone's exactly in the same position. There's really no exception. Um, and then one of your, your other roles as a qualified life and business coach, how did you get into that and, and why? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I would say that when I look back at my career um, and from the point that I became a manager and leader of teams, even though I do really love procurement, I've always really enjoyed the management and development of people more. Um, and so in 2018, I left uh, my role at Gordon Ramsay Group. I um, did a bit of traveling, came back to the UK, started to think about direction, albeit there's always the intention to revert back to procurement, but just had a, I had some time on my hands and um, I explored and coaching just felt like a perfect fit. So I, I then studied a diploma and it's the most enjoyable uh, you know, study education that I've had in my life. I just absolutely loved it, learned loads about myself and now feeling as though, and knowing that I have a toolkit to help people move forward is the most rewarding um, thing, a skill that, that I personally feel I can possess. And so I genuinely just like helping people to move from A to B. And yeah. um, I also recognize the power in mindset and I myself, especially when I think back to who I was in my late teens, early 20s, not particularly confident, um, not particularly positive thinker. And that was due to how I felt about myself. And there was a point in my life at about 24, I worked with um, a lady called Chris, who was about 10 or so years my senior. Um, and she introduced me to Anthony Robbins. And when I started to read his books and understood that, you know, the power is within mm. um, simply, um, and the way you think will shape your life and I was able to take on some of those principles and I feel like that kind of changed the trajectory of my own personal life and not as far as professional and achievement but just the quality of life that I've lived since then and I want others to do the same basically. Yeah. That is really really nice and I agree like I, I'm, I'm like you I think the management development of people has always been something that I've really enjoyed and just with my own team over the last couple of years just to see them grow and develop and be able to expand or you know really reach their potential has just been amazing yeah, i can definitely relate to it um and then your final bit now you're your ceo and finder founder of be inclusive hospitality tell us a little bit more about that sure so um i felt compelled um to um form this organization because having worked within the sector for close to 20 years, um, the past eight, nine years, senior positions, head of department, you know, on the exec board, and there are never any people that look like me in those decision-making rooms. Hospitality is a sector that always celebrates its diversity and it always really boldly talks about you know in statistical terms we've got 81 nationalities but what it never ever acknowledges is that 
largely people of color occupy the most junior roles within the operation. And the fact that that hasn't changed over my 20 year career is problematic to me. Add to that, I am a seeker of often role models, people that I look to, inspiration. And I look around and beyond the few people of color that do make it onto television or book deals or uh, really senior in some great organizations, there is that in between and they're nowhere to be seen, quite simply. So what started off as, in effect, a support network, which was centered in amplifying voices and visibility, has evolved into an, evolved, sorry, into an organization that also provides diversity and inclusion training, workshops, resources, um, provides learning and development for um, people of color within the sector. And also um, we curate and sometimes co-curate events which has the um, aim of, of exactly as I said, amplifying voices, driving education through narrative and giving people who have previously been unheard a platform. No, that is absolutely fantastic. And I completely agree with you. And I think part of what I've started as well was like, when you get into senior leadership positions, you don't see women. Yeah. And equally, I would say you don't see enough diversity of color as well, um, or ethnicity within senior leadership positions within hospitality. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And what I would say just on that is I absolutely agree with you, but I do think that gender equality, not only within hospitality, but across the UK, has taken a front seat over every other um, diversity and inclusion in initiative, because I've worked in many businesses um, and seen many businesses really stand proudly about their male and gender split, but they're still all white. You know, yeah. so I think you know when you look across all of the protective characteristics i think they all need to move forward but they're all in very different places and i think ethnicity is one that has been hugely neglected in my view and i think it's people like yourself myself you know to have that conversation to make sure that we're pushing that constantly and making sure that that discussion is being had because if you don't have it you know it's never going to move forward so i applaud you for taking the courage and the initiative to drive this forward. And I wish you all, all the success for all of us, really. Thank you. That would be, it will be a good journey. It's positive. Absolutely. Um, so having all these roles, how do you manage to do it all? <laughs> um, so I, um, it's going to be interesting when the world reopens, I will say. <laughs> And so um, during that short period of time um, from sort of July to October, when we had freedom to roam, I found that quite interesting because I was having meetings in person mm -hmm. and um, kind of obviously what you're able to squeeze in during lockdown versus in the real world, real time is interesting. So, I mean, ultimately I just carve up my week. So procurement is something I still do on a consultancy basis. So there's a section of my time diary sort of allotted to that. Life coaching, super flexible, usually mm. coach from anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes. Mm. Um, and then be inclusive hospitality. Um, I'm not doing it 100% alone. I do have support, um, mostly in the form of volunteers at the moment. But I think by the, the end of the second quarter of this year, we'll be in a position to recruit some, some actual support on a permanent basis. So it's, it's, it's a challenge, but um, it's around prioritizing what's important and what's really going to drive an impact versus the things that I like to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's just about being super organized, to be honest. Absolutely, and we all still have bills to pay, so we need Absolutely. to make 
sure yeah. that we balance everything out as well. Yeah, for sure. And what would you say that you've sort of learned the most about yourself? Like, so if you compare it to yourself from when you first started out to, to perhaps where you are now, is there anything that you could um, share that was your biggest learning, your biggest takeaway? The biggest, I, I struggle to pin it down to one. I think what I've learned as a, as a, as a person, as a human kind of navigating this world is that um, I aim to learn something every day about myself. And I guess where I am here and now is that for me, for my businesses, for anything that I stand for, authentic, authenticity sits at the core of that. Um, you know, when I think back to being in my early 20s and, um, you know, straight out of university, inexperienced from a work perspective and being in environments um, in a place, a small place called Burton-on-Trent, where there were no other black people in the organisation and, and also being really young. I was, so I was probably the youngest and also the only black person uh, in the, any room. And um, I remember being in a place where I didn't feel firstly comfortable, mm -hmm. but able to express myself authentically. Yeah. And I got to a point, I think in my, when I was about 27, 28, where I just had a conversation with myself and decided that who I am is absolutely enough. And if I'm not a fit, then I'll find somewhere that is. And that's extremely difficult for people to do, especially when they're different to the majority. And that could be whether female, you feel as though you have to be harder or when you're black and actually whilst British born, you know, I have huge influence of Jamaican culture in my life. My parents are both Jamaican. And so there are differences between myself and, and many different individuals that, that I work with. But, but at the core and root of everything, and the reason why I am the way I am is because I accept difference. I don't want people to be like me, for them to no. be someone that I'm interested in or want to engage in or want to work with. And so that authenticity piece is something that I actually, it probably is a single biggest, I talk about a lot. And I really try and encourage younger people that I work with find a way and space to be the authentic self because when you you arrive at that place you will thrive and you will perform to the heights that you're supposed to and when you suppress that you just never will yeah and I think that's also one of the things that's been nice about hospitality is that there is a lot of diversity and I think because there is so much diversity you almost have to be true to yourself and authentic to yourself but I know that's really hard to do oftentimes you're just trying to fit in you're just trying to like you know be like everybody else um, especially if you're new or you're young and you're just starting out it definitely I would agree it definitely takes a lot of work on yourself and really looking inside to say no you know what I can just be me mm -hmm. and that is a-okay absolutely you know, it really is yeah I think all too often uh, and I do think you know I'm really talking from a, a personal experience I have worked in organizations where there's a real clear company culture and that culture has sometimes been great and allowed people to thrive and sometimes has not been and resulted in people feeling as though they have to behave or be a certain way um to to excel or be seen which i personally as a leader find absolutely ridiculous and you know anyone that i've managed to date 
generally I'm still in touch with them because I always encourage them to be their 100% self and the way they are is just fine. Where there's opportunity for us to develop is our skills, our, our, our um, what's I going to call them? I was going to call them soft skills, but I don't like using that word. So yeah. I was going to say um, life skills, yeah. um, behavioral, uh, technical these are all things that we can all develop, but who we are in the core, providing our values, you know, are, are not <laughs> detrimental or negative or I think, yeah, being who you are is absolutely a-okay. And I encourage anyone that I encounter to, to, to be able to do that. But I appreciate it's not that black and white for everyone to be able to just, <laughs> I am who I am, here I am, take me as I am. You know, it's not that simple. But. It's not that simple, <laughs> but it can be worked on. It can. Um, and as much as I would love to keep talking to you and ask you questions, I am going to move on to my last question and ask you, who inspires you? So I thought long and hard about this. And I've got a couple because when I look at life and I look at what success looks like, it's not about occupation or money all these things that we in some ways need to survive. It's not about that at all. It's about who people are to the core, who, who you know, who's a nice person. And honestly, on a real base level, my mom inspires me. My mom, you know, born in Jamaica, came to the UK and lived in a, a really racist place from the age of 11 um, onwards. She has, um, you know, she's had, she had a really tough early start to her life, but despite that, She's a really nice person. She's really thoughtful. She's really kind. She's really giving. She's she's just wonderful human. And I always feel like it, it speaks volumes when you're able to go through really difficult times throughout your life and still show up as who you are, which is, is still a nice person and not someone that's bitter and, um, and, you know, hateful, because that's one of the two ways it can go. Um, aside from that, I respect and admire anyone that has faced adversity early in their life and you turned their lives. So two big ones um, is Oprah Winfrey um, and um, Jay-Z, so Beyonce's husband. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I followed his career since a point where the venues he was playing, I was able to sit on the stage. So that's how you can imagine how small they were to now he's a billionaire. Yeah. And when you look at his beginnings and the circumstance in which he was born, to where he is now and how he's got there. I just, I admire him so much and he's a super talented guy as well. So those are my three. I know you asked for one. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm very happy with all of them. And it just, it's so, it's so great. And it just also goes to show like, you know, what are the things that are also important to you and what you're connecting with? And I just love that, that, that common theme that you had is like to be able to overcome adversity at a young age and then really be able to come out at the other side of it all and your mom may not be as famous as Oprah Winfrey or Jay-Z but she's very special to you <laughs> no she's lovely nice woman well thank you so much for sharing your story with us today Lorraine thank you so much for listening I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story Please follow us here and on LinkedIn where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality. Mm -hmm.